Right. So you kind of have to do both. <laughs> you know, it's hard. That's when it's not easy being human. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. So Jeff Welsh, thanks yeah. for coming on the podcast, man. Yeah, thanks for appreciate having me. Appreciate you being here. Um, you have a really interesting story in terms of your yogi journey and your travels and your practice too that I've seen firsthand. And it's super interesting to see you work and to flow and to instruct and teach. And your energy is calming and it's stern and it's really interesting to be part of that in your classes. So I appreciate you being here, man. Yeah, I appreciate you inviting me. Yeah, Thank you. of course. So where did, well, I'm going to ask where you're from. How do you know that? Uh, I was born in Southern California, yeah. actually over in uh, Orange County area, interestingly enough. Sure. Um, born in Anaheim and lived in Fullerton for about a year or so. Mm-hmm. My family decided to move to Houston, Texas, where I lived for like maybe two years of my life until my parents had the ultimate desire to go move back to Southern Florida because they used to live both of there independently before they met one another. Eventually, they did actually meet down there, but they always wanted to return. So situations came up where they were able to move down to a town called Coral Springs, Florida, which mm. is basically where I lived. Uh, it's a suburb of Fort Lauderdale, and I was there since half of preschool all the way through high school. Got it. And then okay. came to Orlando in 1997 for the University of Central Florida to do yep. my studies, and I yep. just never left. What did you study? Uh, computer science. So I've got a bachelor's in computers and also a master's in computer science. Got it. So do you do that professionally still now? Yes. I'm a software engineer professionally. No kidding. What? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's super interesting. So like, what do you, I feel like find, finding balance with that too in your life between that full-time career and yoga? Yeah. It's actually been very hard sometimes to do that um, for me anyway. And I, um, in the beginning when I first started doing or even thinking about yoga, I was mm-hmm. actually joined the YMCA over by UCF and I was just working out yeah. and doing whatever. And then I saw that there was this yoga class, and I said, oh, well, I want to be flexible there you go. <laughs> like <Right>. everybody else, so <laughs> sure. And so I went to it, and um, yeah, like, I know it's not directly answering your question, but like I sort of just fell in love with it, and sure. I like, it had this natural affinity for me. I'm like, yeah, well, I get what you're doing here. Okay. Even though it was not a traditional practice, it was mm. the teacher was a dance teacher and everything. So, um, so I still balanced weight training with um running a little bit and also with um yoga okay and the more and more i got into it like i just left i stopped everything and all i did was yoga all the time interesting so it's hard to balance my work in a way like but i should say i've always been fortunate to be with employers or projects because ours was project-based a lot of Mm. our stuff Mm -hmm. where um if i give a little they give a little and so i make it very it seemed, I don't verbally say this, but it's contextually understood that like these things are important to me, mm-hmm. like traveling or my yoga practice or teaching or things like that. And they understand and they say, if I have to take time off or something, they sort of let me do it. Got it. So yeah. that's always been a blessing, I should say. Um, it It's also an interesting, I've only really appreciated this as I've gotten older that I feel like my feet have been in two places, and that's mm. a general theme of my life. Right. Um, the place of having a lot of colleagues and friends that are very technically oriented and very much about, you know, their interests don't necessarily correspond with the interest of the yoga community, who sure. tend to be a little bit more artistic and tend to be a little bit more about like energy flow and things like that. And mm-hmm. so I've been, how do I 
how do I bring these two together and how do I yeah. live between the two? And so that was a struggle for a long yeah. time. Um, but only in the last year, two years, mm -hmm. have I really embraced the idea that I don't have to unify them. I actually have mm -hmm. to allow and accept that I am a bridge between these two. Right. And that's just how I naturally fit. Because it seems like from a technical aspect or the computer science aspect, that community or that culture sees the yoga community as like woo-woo. Some of them do. It's true. Okay. But I've never really had any... Um, Neg like woo might have a little bit of a negative connotation to it could be and that's never at least never been directly communicated to me mm -hmm. um in fact it's more the opposite of oh well i can't do that i'm my wife does that or i can't do that because i'm not flexible and i hear all the typical sure. things that people sure. say and they just kind of let it go at that mm -hmm. so they may in their mind be thinking about that but um maybe Part of the other other interesting thing is the evolution of how this has happened. Mm -hmm. When I first started working, I mean, the industry that I'm in is DOD. So it's like it. a lot of military and a lot of um, army in particular. Mm -hmm. So um, people, men and women that come from that background that have been on, um, I had this assumption, I should say, that they would sort of just label everything that they see like that as woo-woo. And while mm -hmm. there are some cases where that happens, there's actually a lot that don't, mm -hmm. that kind of embrace sure. other ideas and other aspects. Yeah, which I just is open-mindedness, right? Right, that's what I was getting to. Yeah, so I, um, I feel like that open-mindedness has shown itself more mm -hmm. over the years. And I've been in this industry for over 20 years now. So, yeah, so it makes... It makes the idea of having your feet in two different places mm -hmm. much easier because then I can talk. And, and the other good thing is I've been doing this for so long. The people I've had two employers in my life, and that's very uncommon for the right. tech industry. But um, I'm no, it's a, it's a don't burn a bridge kind of place where you work. Mm -hmm. right. So like literally everybody knows everybody, everyone knows everybody, Got everyone it. everybody. And so people that I work with or that own the company and run the company that I work for now, They've known me for 15 years, like 10, 15. So they, right. they understand who I am and where sure. I'm going from. Sure. So it's a very unique in, in that way, too. So. so there's more grace to some given to somebody that's been there for so long or more understanding of, okay, you're going to go on a trip or retreat right. and you're coming back. And there's no, I guess, questioning of... Because I feel like if you're employed by so many people, there's almost like a, a very fragile existence in that em employment maybe yeah i mean from again i don't have direct personal experience of this just because of what i mentioned but my understanding is that it's very common in the tech industry mm -hmm. to have an employer for maybe one two at most probably three years before the next thing is going to come on and you advance and you advance in pay and mm -hmm. advance in stature or stature mm -hmm. that you want to have a resume kind of different in that way longevity I feel like it's valued. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, like I, we had new people onboarding this past week mm -hmm. week, and I was talking, I gave like a talk to them for like an hour or two about what our industry is and what we're doing. And because if you don't have a military background and you don't have training, you don't even know what we're doing. They just throw you in front of a computer and be like, here. Yeah. Right. And that's how I had to learn. <laughs> was Got that it. way? So right. On the yeah. job, on the job training, right? Exactly. So I, We'll get back to yoga, but yeah. I just want to explore this too. Do you think that culture arrives from the employees wanting to stay, or do you think it's the culture of the company 
that makes like that keeps the employees there so i mean and it's both i think because in some cases it's the company like i do have the company they work for they're pretty generous and mm-hmm. they do treat us very well but i'm i don't know if that's just because i've been there for so long and i was one of the ogs i guess you could sure, call sure. it like number 31 and they have like 160 or something now yeah, yeah, yeah. um but um at the same time like you know i think people in that industry can get complacent on the mm. opposite end of it where things move slowly in government so they are used to like snail's pace of technology mm-hmm. and you know when we have to go and solve something like i always part of my concern that i've always had to like think about in my head is if i tried to go somewhere else i i have to really know cutting edge technologies right like, the <laughs> like <laughs> cutting edge technologies and I know the software engineering process very well. I've been doing it for two decades, mm-hmm. but I don't couldn't go in an interview and say, I know exactly this programming language with this, and this is how Got you would do it. all that, unless I Googled it and figured it out for a little while. Right. So some of those, the experience of cutting, cutting edge, bleeding concepts are very accessible to me. Have more of that. Um, if you're in it for a long time, you sort of could, you have to be careful with it, but you could get pigeonholed, mm-hmm. meaning... Yeah, I know this one system very I'm thinking of one person in my head that I used to work with. <laughs> sure. Um there's this one system that was out there. I mean, it started in the mid to late 90s being in a concept, mm-hmm. maybe even a little bit of prototyping and it's still running today and he's been on there since the beginning. So Got he's it. been in there for like 30 years doing this. <laughs> And it's like, that guy knows that system. But that's his baby, right? It, it's like... I guess. I, I almost feel like he just uses it as a means to an end. Like Interesting. And I, I went through periods of that with my job. Like, sure. it isn't... I don't want to say that it's the most fulfilling thing that I do for my life. Right. But I'm grateful for it. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. I always say that. I'm very grateful for my employment and my job and mm-hmm. my people. But is it, like, life-changing for me? Does it fill my soul? Like, I can't say that it does. And... I think mm-hmm. if you can arrive to a point and maybe like this person has where that's okay mm-hmm. and then you can, but you can still go every day and you can still do your thing, but then it funds the other pursuits yeah. of what you want to do. Sure. Then it could be an ideal situation. Right. I mean, that's kind of how it, I've treated it sometimes mm-hmm. in the past. I've heard that advice too, where it's a, yeah, find a job that can pay for your projects and your hobbies that you really want to do. Right. Right. So sacrificing that to have those nice things. Right. I mean, I, I, I don't think I am not, I wouldn't call myself entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. Like I've never really had that kind of really acute business sense mm-hmm. of like, you know, achievement and like sure. recognition and gain and like those things. I've not really sought them. It's mm-hmm. almost like I work hard and though, and whatever I need is provided to me. Yeah, I guess it, the same could be said for entrepreneurship, too. Mm-hmm. I guess it looks different to everyone else, or it looks different to a lot of people, right? Whereas mm-hmm. entrepreneurship to one person could look like owning a business, but to someone else, it's just coming up with new ideas to solve a problem. Sure. Right? Right. Because starting a business is, like, incredibly hard, right? right. Depending on which bus- industry you're trying to even get into. Sure. Yeah. But that's what happened to the company I'm working for now. That's exactly what he did. Mm-hmm. He was in the big programs and the big companies, like the... Lockheed's and the Northrop's and the SACs yeah. and all that, and then had that for many many years and decided I'm going to go off and do my own thing and mm-hmm. started his own just himself, and now how long how long is it now at least 15, 18 yeah. years later, pretty thriving multi 
tens of million dollars. And then you also, so you sort of, from the outside perspective, you see it looks like an overnight thing sometimes. Sometimes. And you don't always see the, the ground zero. Yes, the, right. The struggle. And it's the, the hills and the mountains and the valleys, right, of doing that. And what you've alluded to in your class is that microcosm mm-hmm. of build up and I guess what the like when you're coming off of the build up, the peak, and then mm-hmm. we call like the, the rejuvenation in a sense, right? And the rest and the and then back up to the build up, right? Yeah. And for someone that's on the outside, it's like, oh, that was an overnight success. But this the person that's running it was no, that was six and six months of grinding mm-hmm. with little to no sleep of yeah. trying to make something work. And then it got recognized, right? Right. And I think it's interesting to see different perspectives on that. Mm-hmm. And so if that if that career is what provides you your exploration of yoga and funding for that and for your hobbies, then what is yoga to you? So to me, it is kind of like a tool, mm-hmm. a tool in the tool belt of my living that I use to be able to manage myself through life as it goes it's 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 a broad question right so it's like the what is yoga to me and i think it has given me perspective it has given me understanding and it has Mm. given me relationship to myself Mm. primarily the capital s self i mean that's what it's really ultimately trying to do and from my training and understanding is it's trying to give you a space for which you can experience and know intrinsically who you are. Mm, mm-hmm. And when you can do that, that facilitates everything else that you're engaged in while you're occupying this human existence. Like, right. Because if you know you on these deep levels, and I use the plural levels, different mm-hmm. ways of it, then when you're in a position of something, maybe you're in a position of contention or you're like, you have uh, stress or you have something you have this knowledge, this underlying piece of you that says, oh, wait, I know that I'm this and I know that I understand this. Mm-hmm. So that's not how it was in the beginning, I should say. That that answer is almost <laughs> an allusion to like what you just, your point you just made. Like I, nobody really saw the 20 years that I've gone through in my life to get to where I can say that answer confidently. Right. Because in the beginning, I had no concept of that. I just want to get stretchy. I just want right. to get stretchy in it. And then I did it and then I'm like, it feels good on the body and when i um i mean i did that for a little while and then but when i was introduced to ashtanga in particular i didn't realize that was even a thing Mm. and then for the non-yogis out there what is ashtanga so uh, when we say ashta ashta is actually the number eight in sanskrit and um in the um traditional most traditions of yoga i should say they usually kind of base a lot of their philosophy on this um, Hindu sage or rishi as they mm. call him by the name of Patanjali and so Patanjali would develop um, through his yoga sutras which people have probably heard of before if they've studied any kind of yoga mm-hmm. there are an eight-limbed path so mm. basically the path to self-realization and the path to breaking the bondage of what's called samsara which is the illusion that we all find ourselves in and so if we, so, so in, the, in the very philosophical sense, um, the ashtanga, the, the yoga, the unioning of your 
yourself, unioning of your essence, your individuated piece of the divine with the self is mm -hmm. what yoga is referring to. And how do you do that? Here is a prescription mm -hmm. of a way of being. And so okay. that's kind of what we're talking about when we say the word ashtanga, the ashtanga, the yoga of the eight limbed path. Got it. And then it kind of goes a little bit deeper from that where um, a lot of um, people like, or I should say it, there's been a lot of branches that have come from all of that, those mm -hmm. concepts over the millennia and over the years. And one in particular was formalizing the asana more and more and more, mm -hmm. which is the physical part, I should say, the third limb of the eight limb path is asana, the physical movement of the mm -hmm. body in space and an understanding and a connection of the body to do it consciously. Mm -hmm. And um, when they're doing that and formalizing that a little bit more, they're also trying to bring in all of those other aspects into one compartmentalized um, piece instead of 60 different practices to do each part of the path, right. put them all together on one particular thing that can be practiced over and over again under the guidance of the teacher. Got That's kind of Ashtanga yoga from right. what I've understood. It's like yeah. yoga for the householders. What There's a guy named Patabi Joyce who has since um, passed away in the late 2000s. But um, through his legacy, that we usually refer to them as uh, the guru of modern Ashtanga yoga. And so an affectionate way of saying guru is guruji. So mm -hmm. guruji. Okay. When we were generally, when Ashtangas refer to guruji, they're talking about Patabi Joyce. Um, but anyway, he did a lot of work to sort of bring that into the West. And um, I don't know if I'm sure thought where I was saying guruji. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> can edit that part so out. So there was, um, <laughs> no, no, no. no. Um, I'll, I'll keep going with, yeah, with this. So sure. it was... When when you're learning yoga mm -hmm. to get to the point where you are now, um, then you start learning Ashtanga. Right. When I started learning Ashtanga, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So then I, okay, got it now. So I found this, and I found it to be so invigorating physically. Mm -hmm. You can, like, really get into them. And I found myself, like, grabbing on and, like, let's go. Right. Like, it was right. one of those, I was never really... Growing up as a kid, I was always kind of reserved and kind of shy and mm -hmm. kind of um, timid, I would even say. Like, sure. that's usually what my energy would have been. Um, but this sort of was like a doorway out. And it was a way to sort of prove to myself that I can do, like, yeah. I can do this and I can be powerful and I can be strong. Yeah. And I, it was natural. It felt natural to me. It wasn't something that I really, I mean, I, I worked at it. But it wasn't something that I like had it was just excruciating mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. It had this flow to it. And I just connected with it so deeply. All I wanted to do was yoga. So I went through periods and then I would I would like not have but like it was so deep. And um yeah, I just I absolutely loved it. And I had the best teacher in the world back then. Mm -hmm. His name was Louis Rothlein and he is a um an amazing man and an amazing teacher and I still have an enormous amount of reverence and respect and love for him. Mm -hmm. He lives in Asheville now in North Carolina but um, he owned the studio where I was going to at that time and mm -hmm. everything about that space, the energy about him, about the people, I was just like, yes, this right. is what I want. Yeah, 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 And it was, it felt too like the challenge felt so good. Like the challenge of, uh, the physical challenge and the things that it made that it asked of you i should mm -hmm. say um i just i just lost i don't say i lost myself in it but i just loved it it was like a euphoric high in a way sure. when you're like 
doing a two-hour practice and you're like, yeah, yeah I got that. And <laughs> naturally, uh, I guess it goes into another part about Ashtanga, that like naturally um, people who are of type A personality, so who are, I mean, even though I, was, I consider myself type A, even though I was somewhat timid and somewhat reserved, I was still very structured like or, compartmentalization i mean look i brought a, a thing with me so i could write <laughs> stuff down and like and this handwriting is very nice and everything's really well lined out too so <laughs> um the uh, so so i just really connected with this kind of yoga and um yeah it just felt real and it felt like i was growing as a person i could see it i could see that side of me yeah. and it helped me i also have to say the confidence thing was a big thing for me growing up and um, even to that point, primarily also dealing with sexuality. Mm -hmm. And yoga helped really ground me and really sort of say, I am this, mm -hmm. I am gay, I am, sure. it's, it's really comfortable to be me. Yeah. And it still, I mean, it still has an aspect of that for me, but I guess I was, I was getting to with Ashtanga, so like it tends mm -hmm. to draw in the type A's and it tends to join the people that are really like what I just described and they get into it and then if they keep at it eventually it's sort of like they keep giving you harder and harder and harder stuff it's like look i can right. i can uh do a back bend like great now grab your heels uh, like i can grab my heels great now grab your calves like yeah it doesn't end <laughs> and that that is a really fun challenge i am also interested in traditioning what of maybe the practice isn't just about doing the poses is it also just what you're saying is finding yourself. Right. So, I mean, it is it is finding yourself by first doing the poses as the entryway to doing that. Sure. So asana is supposed to be the third limb to the Ashtanga path. And when you come into it, and um, you're ba it's basically, it's that way by design so that you could say, I understand the physical body. I know what it means to touch and, and sens have sensation. Like, first get in your get out of your mm -hmm. mind so that you can connect with the body and understand mm -hmm. when i move something i'm conscious with the movement mm -hmm. right or engaging of a particular muscle or releasing of a particular one or finding a balance and understanding your body in three-dimensional space if you're upside down like all those types of things and understanding it's meant to sort of give you to that point so mm -hmm. that when in the very traditional sense you your body is healthy, you're able to sit, and you're able to be steady for a long period of time, and your mind isn't constantly racing where you're trying to do this or do that, and, and your mind and your body are sort of unified in mm -hmm. a way, you can then sit and then do the inward work. So mm -hmm. it's almost like it's unfair to say it's a means to an end, asana, because it's much more than that. But in some ways, it could kind of is because it's preparing you for the later deeper work sure okay and maybe in modern yoga the later deeper work is not something that can be handed to you quickly it has to be worked towards and it's extremely individual mm -hmm. so it's not something that you could label in a class to say like come to my class and you'll be spiritually enlightened or something right, right? like right. you have to you have to use the body and use your relationship and moving of the body so that you then understand you at those unspeakable deeper levels mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um and modern yoga is not really f the goals of those i don't i'm when i say modern yoga let me let me clarify i won't mm -hmm. say i'm thinking of like yoga that's done in like a corporate gym or mm -hmm. like 
like that kind of you know what i'm talking about like i don't know how to describe it but like it's just a a stretch stretch class stretch class in a way or like it's about power and it's about achievement got it and i've i again feed in two places like i was mentioning before i go to those classes sometimes too and i'm like wow i really this is fun and i like it or it's like it's a workout a thousand degrees and you're like doing this stuff and i i just it sounds it feels good Mm -hmm. but i still know and I understand now that that is just, it's not the goal necessarily mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. I had this conversation with a friend the other day when I was on travel. And his teacher that he follows um, does these what are called asana competitions. Mm. Which to me is like, it's like, I don't know how you could do, have a competition about asana. I mean, in one sense it is because, yeah, physically, look, I can do a handstand and then jump into a back bend and then I can do then the other person can do this but with a leg behind their head and like who are you at the end of that if they're only presented that and nothing else so maybe that's a better way to say it Marcus Mm -hmm. because if it's modern yoga sometimes it's incomplete in my opinion because Mm -hmm. it doesn't offer all those other aspects of yoga what they're really trying to get to is to know who you are and to Mm -hmm. like to make sense of it all Right. And the only person that can do that is you. So here's some tools to help you do yeah. that. Yeah. So it's almost like a self-test. Like, let me see how far I can go with these asanas. Yes. And how how much clarity of mind can I keep while in those challenges? Exactly. So like you have in the Ashtanga series, you have six series in mm-hmm. the, that you're typically have taught. And it's like, oh, I did all six of them. All right. But you're still an asshole. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right. Like that kind like, of thing. What kind of know? work is that, right? Yeah. Like, but uh, you're... <laughs> it's kind of hard, but like, um, all of it, I, I realize this, I've, there's only a few, a handful of people that I'm aware of in the world that have done all six mm. series because it's so, so difficult. And there's just, it's just insane. Some of the things that it asks you to do of your body, it's almost like my body in the age that I'm at now, I'm not even going to try to attempt it because there's no point. Right. Mm-hmm. I think some people need that much work in order to break their attachment to the ego and sort of say, all right, now you don't need to achieve all those other things. Let's go down. You broke, we've broken your attachment to that. Mm-hmm. Let's work on those pieces that you are and really like hone them in and hone your mind right. and hone your attachment of your mind to, I think it needs to be a certain way or it needs to look a certain way. Got it. And, um, yeah, so some people just need all of those asanas to realize they didn't need all of those asanas. That the only thing they ultimately need is an understanding and an awareness of the body mm-hmm. and then using that as the harness. The more we talk about this out loud, the more I was thinking, I, maybe in some people in their incarnations and what they are in this life, they're not meant to go beyond that. Maybe this work, it's where they are right now, is it's enough. So we've given mm-hmm. them all this physical prowess to be able to, do all this crazy stuff um but i'm telling you like as somebody who kind of teeters with that i have done a lot of physical things and Mm -hmm. success i want to use quotes maybe maybe not but i've also been injured and it sucks like then it's really it's i'm so grateful for it in in the end because um when i first got like really really injured i couldn't um so I've gone through a couple of energies, but the most significant one is probably the one I can talk about. It happened a couple of years ago, just mm-hmm. before COVID, actually. Yeah. Um, 
I was I I counter my yoga practice now with Pilates, which I love Pilates. It's yeah. like such a great balance. And I was in a Pilates studio and I was doing a roll up, and the roll up was like the straw that built the camel's back. And I mm-hmm. I had a disc exfiltration of my L five S one over in the left corner of my lower back. Um, so like a a herniated disc would be like it bulges out okay. in between. Yeah. But actually, mine ruptured. Oh. And so yeah, yeah. part of it was. The prognosis is better for healing because the red blood cells can come and clean you out right. sort of a little bit easier. <laughs> and now I have to say, like, to this point, I'm probably a 95% better. Got it. 98 maybe. I can do almost things, everything mm-hmm. that I used to do. But there's probably some poses that are really going to be challenging for me from this yeah. point forward. Sure. And that process, when I went through that, was very humbling mm-hmm. because it's like, well... You professed all of this, Jeff, right? Like you knew all this intellectually. Now we're going to put it on you and we're going to say, do you practice it, right? Yeah. Are you really okay? Is it okay that you don't do advanced postures? And it was hard. It, right. was, it wasn't something that I share with a lot of people, but it was really difficult. Maybe not any postures at all for a while, right? For a while, I couldn't even get out of the couch. So let's go to the bathroom or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask like dealing with silence or dealing with not being able to physically move how did that look for you i guess also early on in your yoga journey of how do you handle silence even like now when you say silence what do you what do you mean like... i think literally in a in a quiet setting okay um i think now i've been trying to work on it too is not overstimulating myself mm-hmm. always listening to something or stacking my dopamine uh, intake so say i'm um, not listen to a podcast or YouTube video when I'm cooking. Mm-hmm. I'm not listening to music while I'm lifting, or, or I'm not. I'll say I'm not eating while I'm watching TV. While also listening to music. Yeah. While also also, so having that quiet space and allowing for silence. Yeah, I mean, I to this day struggle with that too. Like I'm very, I have a very active mind, and I'm constantly thinking and doing things so my meditation time or the time that i have is precious to me because i really and i have to still work at it after all these years i do Mm -hmm. it just doesn't come naturally yeah but yeah so when you're in that position laid up on the couch i could watch tv which i did um i worked thankfully i could do things remotely right um and i probably didn't do as much quiet meditation as I could because it's a whole other thing. Like I was in a relationship and it was just very tumultuous and sure, sure. Couldn't, didn't work out as well as I wanted it to. But that. Um, yeah, so it has given me an experience of respect, mm-hmm. an experience of understanding. And I, I guess even from a teaching perspective now, like not being able to do things conceptually, but after the injury, now it's like, oh, I know what you're feeling when you hurt your lower back. Mm-hmm. You know how that's painful. Yeah, not throwing ice pack on it. Right. Or, like, what could I have? What could I do? Yeah. Or how could I offer something that it just feels a little more authentic? Right. In that way. I get that. So it's a little more empathetic. Yeah. To my others. empathy is increased. That's a good way to say it. Mm-hmm. I feel like my empathy has increased a ton. Interesting. Um, not that it wasn't. Yeah. I'm always been pretty empathetic, but I mix up empathy with others with my own issues in my head of sure you know now i feel like i can i can separate them a little bit more right it's interesting to i've talked about before is having people that have gone through certain experiences to make them more empathetic to those same experiences others 
are facing. Yes. Right. Or you see a lot of like the really kind, nice hearted people that have been through a lot of hardship. And, and that's very common actually in yoga from my perspective and my mm-hmm. experience, you tend to, we tend to have people that come in the studio that have been through trauma of some sort. Mm-hmm. It could be emotional trauma. It could be physical abuse. It could be sexual abuse. It could be mm-hmm. all of those types of things. And I just really have always loved how most spaces that I've been in and that I've taught and I've been affiliated with are very warm and embracing and loving and accepting of that. Mm -hmm. And sort of like when you teach and you're in the students, I mean, the way I teach too, I'm, as you know, I'm like not just sitting in front of a mat. I'm like usually running around and everybody's, I'm very sensitive to energy. So I feel the energy of the person that I'm in assessed to or the person I'm just near and um, I've, I've, uh, it, they're in a really vulnerable space. And I do my best to make sure that, yeah, I don't have to say anything necessarily. Or sometimes it comes out in words, but space and presence wise, that they understand that they feel for where they get memory of my own. Like I can sort of implant that, that feeling of somebody, I've had somebody that had a serious injury through the back before I'd be like, I got you. I know mm-hmm. what you're talking about. I right. know how this feels. Let's make some modifications and use the breath as the mm-hmm. tools we need to. Even someone that's been probably physically abused to say, yeah. I don't want anyone else's hands on me or yeah. an adjustment, right? Right. And so I I still, that's a, I haven't, if they've, if I've had that, it people haven't really told me as much, but mm-hmm. I know that they're there. Sure. I have had some people say, yeah, I don't want any assistant things, which I'm totally fine with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, I try to be as descriptive as myself, <laughs> right? But the great unifier and mm-hmm. the great, because it, it, it heals, it heals people, it grounds people, and it light, lifts people up. So mm-hmm. the, the um, I'm not an Ayurvedic expert, but like Vata, Pitta, Kapha, like those three doshas, as they call them in the Ayurvedic science of like... Um, ways of um being or qualities of either people or life or Mm -hmm. situations vata is like kind of up in the air and kind Mm -hmm. of like anxiety prone and like that's me i'm like i just feel vata like totally but i also have some pitta which is like fire but then so yoga grounds and if you're Mm -hmm. good you're fine um but then when i meet others that are just they're more prone to laziness or they're prone to like they sleep a lot or they mm-hmm. like to eat heavy foods and those types of things yoga lights a fire under them and sort of say like yeah, can't yeah. get up and move and sure lift, lift and yourself i guess same with any kind of like exercise but yoga is very much more a slow burning thing yes and to fact figure out how is my body responding to certain postures certain workloads to reflect i guess also diet and nutrition to that extent I've heard also emotional too. Right. I mean, it's 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 holistic in mm-hmm. that sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking my experiences in the gym, um, lifting weights, which I used to do frequently until maybe even like a year or so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can see people that are just they're just pumping through, thinking about when they can leave, mm-hmm. or they're mm-hmm. not really present with the action, and that can happen in yoga too. But almost yoga explicitly asks you. You should return to your breath to really know this moment, mm-hmm. to know when you're in something that's challenging, breathe through it mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's like it's like the whole foundation to do that. You're going right? to be here for the, till the end of the session, whether you're going to be in child's pose or you're going to need to, but 
the the intention is that you're going to be here for this time no yeah so what. you made a commitment to it so right. yeah yeah it's true <laughs> so we we've kind of mentioned how yoga changed you and how that kind of brought a little bit of that confidence out of you so how did your going from a student to a teacher go for you um so the interesting thing about that it's i've never been a con- what i would call a consistent teacher because i've had gaps where like years worth of gaps where i don't mm. teach all i do is practice i've practiced for a long time i can i should also preface this with with like maybe being a teacher doesn't mean you're not no longer a student oh absolutely right? yeah in fact one of the first qualities of being a good teacher is that you are still a student yeah. in my opinion sure and nowhere is that more evident than in yoga because like you can just see like how to apply things that you learn as you're as you're growing and as you're learning in your own practice it could be mm-hmm. asana practice could be anything it feeds into your teaching and then yeah. when you're teaching it feeds into your asana so it's like right. cyclic together i think i think to better articulate it would be to where when did your strictly student journey turn into instructing others right? yeah so it's kind of funny actually because so i was mentioning i was at the ymca over by ucf there was one of the teachers just a weekend and then you'll be a yoga teacher at the end of it. And I was like, okay, sounds good. Sure. So then I signed up for it. And we was at the Y there. And we um, and it wasn't Ashtanga or anything like that. It was her own blend. I think in retrospect, it was mm. like some Hatha, some Ashtanga, some Bikram, all of them together. Um, and so I learned how to do that from her. A little bit of sequencing, a little bit of that stuff. So I was like, cool. Okay, well, you know, Monday comes and I go back to my normal life. Right. I think for a few weeks it happened that way. But then one of the classes that I normally would go to, I came in and they were supposed to have a sub and the sub never showed. And so the teacher, the owner or the manager of the Y came in and said, oh, well, sorry, you know, the sub never showed up. I was like, but I know how to teach. (laughs) (laughs) So like, he's like, you do? I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. So I taught the class. But but that wasn't normal for you before then. Oh, no, no, no. Just to volunteer or to... In fact, I was really scared because I was like, I don't know, everyone's going to judge me and you're going to think. Sure. So I really took me a lot of guts at that time to sort of put myself out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was not confident at all, but I said, I, I something inside me said, I need to do this. Mm-hmm. I have to do, the, yeah. I have to show up here for this. So I did, and well, not the instructor mm-hmm. as well, but the manager of the way, and then he gave me a job. Nice. And so I was, I worked there for, I was paying for membership, and then I went to just having a membership for free because I was teaching there. Oh, that's huge. And so I uh, I did that for a couple of years, and I went yeah. through a period of life where I was practicing, I was teaching, I was working, and also at that time I was doing my graduate degree. And I was Baby, in fraternity. You so were like, busy. I was, I had no time, and I was like, something has to give. So mm-hmm. eventually I just stopped teaching. Got it, yeah. And then I went and I got deeper into Ashtanga. And then I, um, there's somebody else that owns a studio over in College Park that opened mm-hmm. one. And she asked me to teach there. And I did. And I actually, that's where I met Holly. Uh, okay. My good friend, our mutual friend, Holly. But, yeah, yeah. Um, she was a student at that studio in my class, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, then that studio closed and I didn't teach for a while. But then Holly opened her own studio. And yep. then here I am. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I think it's so interesting that sometimes those little those little decisions of I need to volunteer. I'm gonna put myself out there. Yeah. The alert turns into oh now I'm teaching. I got a free membership. That turns into now I have a almost a you know I want to say like a full time instructor lifestyle now. 
Right. Well, it's it's changed everything. Right. Yoga has completely, completely changed my whole life. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't, I would not be where I am or who I am or how I am mm-hmm. without yoga well, and how, teaching also. Yeah. How would how would you say people could incorporate a yogi mindset into their normal lives if they aren't practicing? Uh, be aware. Yoga is trying to bring consciousness to mm-hmm. your daily life and to who you are. If that's the goal, practice mindfulness practices. And they could mm-hmm. be really, really simple as to your example before, you're cooking and maybe just try one instance where you're going to cook and you're making something and like get as deep as you want in it. It could be like how, like I tend to be sometimes, what is the idea, how much pressure am I? But the idea is there in the sense of I'm present here mm-hmm. and so maybe w- just trying to be aware of your actions and trying to be aware of your speech and trying to be aware of your thoughts above everything i mean mm-hmm. really an anasana practice so you come into a downward facing dog and you're there for five breaths and your sun salutations your mind is wandering and doing mm-hmm. like it normally does it's an opportunity to sort of stop it mm-hmm. in its tracks mm-hmm. and then use it to go inside and say, what does my breath feel like as it inhales and exhales? What is the intensity of the length, as I usually say, in the inhales and exhales? Mm-hmm. Is my jaw relaxed? Like you're trying to really get present and understanding what your body is feeling and what your body is doing as opposed to just complete autonomy. Right, right. So I feel like whatever practices that needs, it could be a seated meditation, it could be a walking meditation, it could be cooking, it could be driving. Like those anything that brings you completely in the moment completely here Mm -hmm. um are yogic practices right also with that the i guess thing everything could be a meditation in that in that respect right it can be Mm -hmm. yeah and then the intrusive thoughts versus say lingering thoughts how do you handle those that come up? So, I mean, I guess it depends on where you are and what you're doing, right? Sure. If you're in a yoga, if you're in a yoga practice, thoughts are thoughts. Yeah. Right? I think I'm trying to get it as negative thoughts because everyone's like, Oh no, negative thoughts. Good vibes. Peace signs to the wind. And right. it's, I think negative intrusive thoughts. There's a certain threshold. So, negative, positive, right? They're just qualities of different mm-hmm. things of the same stuff, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And so, challenges or um thoughts or or um i guess we could say negative thoughts but negative is like i'm telling it negative right so i'm trying to get a little bit more generic than that thoughts in the general sense the challenging ones what yoga might want you to do is to not run from it and Mm -hmm. um but also not let it carry you away yeah yeah, so those are the extremes where is the middle the middle is sort of like the thoughts are there. I see the thoughts. I feel deeply the thoughts. So say it's anger or mm. frustration. You you encounter it, and we all do. We're human. It's part of the experience. We f- the the feelings and the emotions that are revolved around those. We feel them intently. Mm. Like we don't. I don't want to say we own them. I guess we could, but I'd more want to say we feel them because we know we're not them from our yoga practice. We know that those are occurring to us Mm -hmm. and we are not that. So if they come to us, we don't run from them. We understand them. We try to make sure we, we try to make sure we understand them. And then once we felt them, whatever, Mm -hmm. however we determine that is, we then let them go. Right. So sometimes 
I guess a way you could think of it is like your your speech and your thoughts that your brain that you're having to yourself when you're in those states. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I think I was that recently and I was talking to somebody and I was like, I am experiencing anger right now. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling very frustrated. Simple thing. I know where it was. I was driving to a concert in Tampa two weeks ago. I was in to see Coldplay and it was three hour drive to Tampa. It was yep. unbelievable. Like so much yep. traffic on I-4 and I was getting so frustrated. I'm like, as one does on I four, functional. Yep. I was. I'm very punctual usually, and I'm just like, okay, I'm. Yeah. Things are running out, and I can't control them. What's going on? And I noticed. I'm so grateful for this. I was able to have a moment where something was outside, objectively seeing that spinning and that that yeah. driving and that um, circular pattern just getting worse and worse and worse, spiraling. I guess is the way to mm-hmm. say it. Mm-hmm. And I was able to break from it, and I was, and my friend was in the car with me, and I was said, "I'm really experiencing frustration right now because of this," and he's just like, "Oh," and I was like, "My, my act of saying it, my act of like being with it, mm-hmm. allowed it to exist, and it didn't, didn't negate, didn't de- uh, derive. What's the word I'm saying? It didn't put me down mm-hmm. for feeling that. It didn't say you shouldn't feel that because you're super spiritual or this and that. Like none of that, right? Right. No, I do feel it. I feel, I feel everything. I'm, I'm a very my emotions are very strong in the right. general sense. It's not to say like if you are, right. they don't ever come up. I think in the, yes, that's right. So the negative, so if you're positive minded, you're negative minded, um, you're minded, <laughs> right? Sure. So right, the right. mind. I think it's like recognizing you not allowing them to fester, right. to to spiral. Yes. And to recognize it and put it, say, I am, that thought is there, yes. but I don't, that's not me. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, that's true. And and then and then what we're deeming as negative thoughts are the most easily identifiable mm-hmm. and easy to work with in that sense. And the better you get at that, the more you'll realize that I would I would say in the, uh, the esoteric sense, in the pure sense, positive thoughts are that way too. Right. So what I'm deeming as positive thoughts, they're still thoughts, and they're not me. They're things that I experience, and they evoke emotions that I experience. Mm-hmm. Those are pleasurable. What I feel is pleasurable versus something that's not. But yoga sort of says all of that is samsara, all mm-hmm. of that. So you are not a positive person. You are not a negative person. You are a person, a person right. who experiences these pieces of the human existence. Got it. I like that. That's yeah. very well said. I appreciate that a lot. Um, Jeff, I think... That is all for now. I do have a lot more questions, but I'm going to say that for another time. Yeah, sure. That I would like to have on another episode. And how can we find you? A bunch of a presence. Friends and family. <laughs> um, you could probably send me an email. <laughs> like, the whole way. Like, I don't know. Like, my my life is not in a particular place where it is right, right now. Sure. Anyway, where I'm trying to advertise myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I very, I teach only one place yep. and i i just feel like i'm not a, i could change in the future someday but like mm-hmm. as a result i don't have instagram i don't have tiktok mm-hmm. i don't have any of that do you stuff. want to publicize where you teach sure yeah, i yeah. mean if they don't want me if, they, if she's fine with it i yeah i, yeah. I teach at a, co- a place called firefly yoga company mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's over in uh, a town called ocoee florida and it's a suburb of orlando um fireflyyogacompany.com and i am a teacher on there um, that is one way through the through that organization that you could get in touch with me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even if it's indirect. But yeah, we definitely. You're could. that yogi that's like you go through the mountains, you go through the, like this, like the forest to go find. Like you can't find them online. You got to go to the studio. Right. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I like it. I like it. Well, Jeff, thank you for coming out. Oh, thanks, Appreciate Mark. you, man. I appreciate um, it.
So for those of us listening on Spotify, we are on YouTube and vice versa. If you're on YouTube, we're on Spotify. Holla at us. Come join us on Instagram. We are building it out to post more, get more content out to you guys. Until next time, show your backbone.